Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Markel Fultz can shoot. Red alert. Code blue. Whatever you want to call it. It's a miracle. Praise the basketball gods. We've been away for three months. It's time to talk Orlando Magic offseason. Let's go. You can feel it in the streets. On a day like this day, it feel like summer. I feel like summer. I said it'd be a week. It ended up becoming over three months. My bad. I wanted to see if the Raptors would make the Eastern Conference Finals, then the NBA Finals. They did in a historic fashion, winning the whole damn thing. And then the draft comes. Didn't want to speculate since none of us got Chumo Kiki, so I felt actually pretty comfortable about that. Uh, and then the bulk of free agency came at a time where vacation time, some personal stuff took center stage, and stuff like that's always going to take priority. But... We're here, and we may or may not go in chronological order of what has happened since our magnificent voices were last heard. I want us to focus on this magic roster, our continuity, our improved depth, as well as not making a big trade, among other things. So it'll get random, but how does that sound to you, Penny? Sounds good to me. Ready to get back into a bunch of topics that we missed and glad to be back in the saddle here with you. Okay, uh, are you comfortable playing a game during this episode? I love a game. Okay, so we're going to play a game called Juice It or Lose It. I'm sure anyone else could come up with a better title, but so in honor of the Magic, about to roll out some orange-themed jerseys and maybe an orange-themed court, according to Terrence Ross. Okay. Uh, Plus, you and I are born and raised here, basically, and we've been here a long time long enough to where we all had orange trees in our backyards and stuff. Right. So we're going to go with the positive with the oranges. I miss our citrus plants, even though I understand why the city and the county had to basically wreck all of them due to all the fruit flies and the bugs and whatever that were coming in. But yeah. So we'll do that throughout the pod. And, you know, maybe if it if it works out, we might keep it long term. Who knows? Recurring but. segment. Okay, so if the audio sounds a little bit different because we're using a different, hopefully better laptop, maybe... And that we are uh, recording this in my personal office, which isn't big to begin with, and it's basically a laundry room as well. So it's a little tight. Uh, also, we're d- recording this early evening on a Thursday, so if you hear thunder and lightning possibly in the background, it's because it's Orlando in summer. That's so where we live. We'll go with it. Um, all right, three minutes on game five okay. of, the, of, the, of the Raptor series. So that scab was healed. It's been over three months, but I'm coming here to just basically reopen the wound at this point. Yikes. So, real quick, Magic loses the series 4-1. Don't need to worry about the Game 5 final score. Kendrick Perkins called Kawhi Leonard Michael Jordan, which I can't disagree with nope. that. I don't know if you can, based off how that series went. So, based on, on net rating, the Raptor starters basically slaughtered the Magic starters. Obviously, since the Magic have brought back the majority of their roster, we'll kind of talk about each one of them as we kind of talk about each right. one of them. Um, but the Magic bench, and this is just a weird stat, but they did technically outplay the Raptors bench. But it is a little bit deceptive because of the blowouts in the series. But I just, how, much, how much of that was Jarrell Martin on his own? Uh, zero. But <laughs> uh, no, I'd say I'd give Kem Birch a lot of credit right. and 
before Michael Carter Williams got punched in the face, I get him a little bit of credit yeah. too. So basically, game one a little bit there, as well as Wessel Wandu, who we'll talk about, again. We're gonna talk about each of these guys because again, we basically brought back everybody and just added Al Camino. Yeah. So here's how game five went, real quick. Magic went down nine one, then eighteen to three, then thirty one to seven, and then Drake shows up courtside with the Raptors up twenty four. The Magic cut the deficit to eleven in the second quarter. And I, I, I can see the cameras. Drake's sweating. Like, in, like I can see it. He's sweating. Uh, but that's as close as the Magic got. Uh, the Magic, just not a good game from him. We looked demoralized defensively. Couldn't hit any open threes like we couldn't the whole series, Theory. basically. Yeah. Um, and then we also had personal and technical foul problems. Right. Basically, everything that needed to go correct, all of it was, like, in reverse. So, yeah. Uh, I watched the Raptors broadcast for this game okay. because of the powers of the internet and maybe some illegal stuff, maybe. Um, I got the Raptors broadcast. Uh, I was enormously disappointed with how bloodthirsty their broadcast was, basically, towards us. Um, I get it. They got their 11-year revenge on us from what we did to them in 08, but uh, it, it was bad. So Just some of the stuff. like it Literally, I thought there was like a 5% chance that they were going to physically like huh. do harm to our guys. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, if anyone can like YouTube any of the pregame stuff, it was ridiculous. Like, I've never... Like, it, it, I'm sure David Steele would be like horrified if he heard any of this wow. stuff. So it was bad. So I blame their, that Raptors broadcast for basically being the fuel as the playoffs progressed for Raptors fans being dicks, like booing Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant's injury and stuff. The and stage. Yeah, it's, it basically, they were fueling the fire almost in that regard. Uh, so quick, a few tidbits from the series. Uh, the Raptors had never won four straight playoff games in a series until then. And then they did it again, though, after they beat us. They did it to Milwaukee. So I don't feel so bad anymore with yeah. that. Uh, after winning game one, the Magic led for just five minutes and 28 seconds the rest of the series. Which sounds about right. Yeah. It almost seems like a lot, actually, when I think about it. That's true. Um, all right, juice it or lose it, the Magic winning one playoff game made it a successful season. Uh, I'm I'm squeezing that real hard. That's a lot of juice. I think that's what we talked about going into the playoffs. and Just one, one game. Don't yeah. get swept. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, going back to last October, if you say the Magic enter the playoffs and take one game from the world champion team, yeah, that's a successful year. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I pulled up uh, some stats and stuff from Basketball Reference, but basically... These are the guys that shot better in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. Aaron Gordon, 47% from the field in the po- in the playoffs, 40% from three. Uh, DJ Augustine shot 49%, 48% from three. Yeah. Even though I think you and I can agree, other than game one, it, he, he really yeah, that yeah was it. He, he couldn't he couldn't up it to the levels that he did in game one. Well, yeah, you can shoot a good percentage, but if you're not getting enough looks to you know have that percentage count for much, then that doesn't help the team right. all that much. Kyle Lowry went from getting murdered in game one to okay, Raptors fans are okay with him again as as the series progressed. Um, this says nothing, but Michael Carter Williams shooting, shooting 39% was an upgrade for him in the series. Field goal percentage. Yes, yeah. field goal yeah. percentage. And three-point percentage. He yeah. shot 25%. Yeah, yeah. He shot 15.8% from three in the regular season. So I, We'll talk about it. I appreciate what he brought to the team, but he let's hope he's uh, in case of emergency only this year. Uh, yeah, and we will definitely get to that yeah. because Mark Fult- Markel Fultz, our savior, uh, may, may make that happen. Yeah. So. 
Uh, I don't even want to talk about Melvin Frazier. He doesn't matter. But you did bring up Jarrell Martin. He shot 44% from the field, which, again, was an upgrade for him. Look, the bench in spotty minutes, they did all right. So I, I can't complain about them. And as far as the Raptors go, I mean, look, it, they didn't really have they had look two two guys led them in that Magic series, Kawhi and pa- Pascal Siakam. Right. Lowry came in there towards the end, but I mean, if you look at some of the stats and info and whatnot, so uh, basically Kawhi Leonard shoots fifty six percent from the field, fifty four percent from three point range. Uh, Marcus Off. 54% both field goal percentage and three-point shooting percentage. You know, Siakam, 53% from the field, 36% from three-point range. And then the rest, I mean, there's some guys that had good moments here and there. Yeah. Abaka, even Norman Powell, like, right. really, like, he, I, I hate that freaking guy. So, all right, juice it or lose it. Nick Nurse, outcoach Steve Clifford. Uh, well, I'm interested to hear your take on that, and you know that I'm forgiving when it comes to coaches having been through the coaching grind. Uh, I'm going to lose it. What more could Clifford have done? You're not, you know, you can't send three people at Kawhi Leonard every time down the floor. No, not when Danny Green's hitting through open threes and Siakam did what Siakam did, and right. then Lowry right. Lowry did get his confidence after Game right. One fairly quickly. The, um, the Magic were, I think. Obviously, they were outplayed, but I think they were outplayed because they were outclassed talent-wise. So, so would you agree that the Raptors, at least in the series, had the two best players and had the top two best players in Siakam and obviously Kawhi? Wait, consist- Maybe even more. Because yeah. even more than two. Well, consistently over the five-game series, they had the two best players, and then they also the the Magic's best player was neutralized by. A big wide body, a big wide load. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what 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 would you have liked to have seen Clifford do differently? So, I would have liked to have seen him throw a Wandu in in some of uh, Fournier's minutes, uh, especially in Game Three in particular when Fournier just did a piss poor job on Danny Green defensively. Right. That was a game that the Magic very well should have had because they didn't have it. That's why. Game four and game five basically went the way they did. Right. We were just deflated at the end Turned there. the series. And so the other thing, the big thing, and I and I mentioned it many months ago now, many moons ago, but uh, look, Vooch, obviously the matchup with Marcus O wasn't working at all. I actually did want to see Clifford start Kem Birch on Marcus All and just shadow Birch with Gasol and then have him play have Vooch play Ibaka. Because that little bit that happened in game three that they did it, where they had Vooch on Ibaka in that second half, that's why the Magic made their run. That's why the Magic made a game of it. And I just I'm very disappointed they did I, we didn't see it more the rest of the series. Yeah. So and beca- and look, Fuchs is a mature guy, and look now he's got hundred million dollars in the bank, basically coming his way. But he knew he knows that he knew he he played like shit on both ends. It, he there was nothing that he did well in that series, and he's admitted it many times in interviews now. And it's it goes to show one his character that he's he at least admits it. There's a lot of guys that wouldn't be as frank as he was, basically. Right. Um, It'll it'll be interesting to me because I vividly remember the last time the Magic were in the playoffs and they lost in five games to Indiana. Ryan Anderson, actually, I think he basically hunted down David West at the end of the series <laughs> and was like, you, and, the, and cameras and microphones caught it, but essentially he, he hunted him down and said, 
you really kicked my ass. I learned a lot from this, and I'm going to be better for it. Well, uh, I don't did he, we know he wouldn't be well, better for it, at he, least in the playoffs. Well, but. the game evolved a little bit, but but if if Vucevic can you know build on it, yeah, then everything is worthwhile. So that's it. Not talking anymore about that. Just kind of wanted to point it out a little bit there. But uh, we'll we'll talk about some of these players a little bit more as as we diverge. So I did say I want to kind of go in chronological order of what uh, of what the summer looked like, and a decent amount of stuffs happened. But I actually want to go back in our history a little bit, and I want to start out with Pat Williams's official retirement from the Magic organization. Pat Williams, without his existence, there is no Orlando Magic. Right. Uh, he could be in about 50 different Hall of Fames and several, and, and not just the sport of basketball. He could be in in uh, baseball. He could be in marketing stuff that's and not, promotion. Yeah, he could be in stuff that's not sports related. Yeah. I mean, he's about to be voted into the. He's already been voted into the Central Florida Hall of Fame in the basketball Hall of Fame. And yeah. so, I mean, there's several. There's several, you know, great, wonderful things that this man's done. Right. He's also written a lot of books. He's a very charitable person. Look, his position, it was more of a figurehead position. We, You and I both know that he hasn't really done much basketball operation stuff since the early 2000s, basically. A lot of that, well, the majority of that was due to health. He's done He's he's done a lot. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm amazed that he is he's lived this long. Part of that is technology, and I'm sure it's, it's great to have access to uh, right. modern medicine marvels. But... We, do, we certainly live in an interesting time for all of that, and obviously that's one of the concerns when you heard about his retirement, you worried about Is his, he his okay current health state health-wise, but he seems to be uh, still in remission and doing well in that regard. And so. it sounds like he's going to try and get the Tampa Bay Rays into Orlando, so right. look, hey, when he first got involved with the DeVos family in the early 90s. They were talking about a, ba- a baseball uh, team. Like, he's a and baseball man. Instead, you know, the yeah. DeVos family bought the Magic instead, which overall has worked out pretty well from yeah. a, you know, the DeVos family. If You can say a lot of things about what they believe in, etc., but from a money ownership perspective, they've always brought it. They haven't, they haven't been cheap since maybe Shaq left right. because of the low ball offer initially but for the past 20 plus years the you know the DeVos family has basically been there with their checkbook open ready right. to invest yeah. so I just want to give Pat Williams a shout out enjoy your retirement even though you're not really retiring from stuff because I think and science kind of proves it when when you retire you really don't have much to actually you know look, you know, look forward to so it's great that you're busy with not just obviously just hobbies, etc. He's doing meaningful stuff. Right. So enjoy retirement, Pat. Even though it's not really retirement, we'll see him. At, I'm sure we'll see him at Magic I'm Games sure often. Be and that's it. I just want to give him a shout out just because I didn't hear a lot about it over the summer. Um, former Magic head coach Frank Vogel hired by the Lakers back in the league. So I wanted to bring Vogel up because well, first off, he's he's screwed with Jason Kidd behind him, right? He has to be because. If if they struggle, if they don't, I don't know if the expectation is win championship the first year, but if there has to be, if there, if I mean, people look at what you know, Eric Spolstra went through that first run that the Heat had with that, you know, with that big three, and people thought that you know when they were under five hundred that he was going to get canned, and right. they wrote it out. I think Pat, Ry- I think Pat Riley had a lot to do with that, so we'll see how well disciplined the Lakers are, but. 
as the rain starts coming down outside. So no, I wanted to bring up Vogel because when people bring up his brought up his resume when he got hired, no one brought up his Magic tenure yeah. at all. Conveniently it's, disappeared. And it's just funny that literally only like his Pacers years, which are ages ago now. Yeah, you know, back when it was Paul George, Lance Stevenson, Roy Hibbert, etc., David West carrying that team. You know, it's it's crazy that they just forget all about the Orlando years and how he literally looked overwhelmed. I had t- sent out that video a while back. I tweeted that video after yeah. that Sacramento Kings loss where he looked like he was going to kill himself. Like, it was bad. He looked like a defeated, broken man. So I don't know how he's going to handle that LeBron circus, but good luck with that, man. But yeah. he's got, you know, his hair kind of grew back, or maybe he had some procedures done to help it make a little bit look a little bit better. But um, Kevin Pelton had made a good point on uh, one of Brian Windhorst's podcasts during this offseason saying that when Vogel left Indiana, Larry Bird had credited the Pacers' elite defense to uh, Dan Burke, uh, one of the assistant coaches there, and that Burke is still with the Pacers now under Nate McMillan, and they have a great defense. They had a much better defense than the Magic did under Vogel. For sure. So, And as you mentioned, too, the league has evolved and changed. I mean, verticality is important, but every, all of his defensive success was geared around Roy Hibbert and verticality, and now in today's NBA, can't do that. Roy Hibbert is unplayable, or the Roy Hibbert type, seeing as how Roy Hibbert hasn't played in the NBA in years. And I mean, look, when Vogel came in, he took over for Skiles, and Skiles in that one year, the Magic had a great defense, at least yeah. a solid defense. Yeah. And under Vogel, with Ibaka and uh, and Biombo, our defense was trash. I, I just just X's and O's, and not accounting for personality. Although we can delve into that too. The Scott Skiles tenure, I think, was more successful than the Frank Vogel tenure. Absolutely, and in, in terms of getting the players to play to their potential. Yeah, and look, a lot of the quotes and stuff that you got from the players this season, it sounded a lot like it did under Skiles. Granted, well, it sounded like Clifford got them back to accountability. Yeah, at which just it went away un- right. by the wayside under Vogel. I don't, I don't know, yeah. you know, I don't know what happened, but I just want to point that out and Clifford basically erased all the Vogel stuff within a year. Obviously, he had some help from the front office, you right, know, having, right. not having Rob Hennigan in place anymore as well. But I just want to point that out. So it's going to be interesting to see how so Vogel does, does handles Does he make that. it to the All-Star break, in your opinion, as the head coach? I think he does just because the Lakers don't really have much depth. And I feel like, I mean, even if if one of LeBron or Anthony Davis misses 20 games... Then that, or, then, that gets him a reprieve. I think so. Okay. So I, I don't know. And, you know, we're all about, we're hearing all about load management and rest and, you know, seeing all these guys sit out. I mean, you look at the Raptors, they just had Kawhi Leonard play 60-something games, right. I think, in the regular season, and it worked. They got it done. So we'll see. All right, so on to actual stuff. So the draft. Yeah. So the Magic drafted Chumo Kiki from Auburn at number 16. I personally want – well. I, well, I personally wanted Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He actually looked pretty good at Summer League, so we'll see. But those two are going to be compared to each other for a while. Um, but no one saw the Okiki pick coming. Literally no one had Okiki within like 15 right. or 10 picks of the Magic. Blindsided. So, but my the reason I'm not as mad as some people are with the pick is because the Magic have that stats uh, technology monopoly that they got. Uh, that no other NBA team is using that they, that they can use not just for NBA games but for college games etc. So I mean, look, O'Kiki, you're trusting in the technology. I'm trusting saying. in the process yeah. and the technology. Yeah. 
And look, man, he's look, he's he's he may not play at all this year. He's not signed yet. He's the only first round pick still that has not been signed. And there's some people trying to say that the Magic won't sign him. I I just don't see a way because I think he gets screwed out out of you know screwed out of a little bit of money. A lot regard. of money. Well, a lot of money. I don't know the specifics of yeah. it, but um, we'll see how that pans out as we approach training camp, etc. But look. His sophomore year, he averaged twenty or he averaged twelve points per game, about seven rebounds per game, two assists, almost two steals per game, one point two blocks per game. He helped Auburn make that NCAA tourney run. Then he got hurt. Auburn, you know, kept going a little bit longer, but he was basically the guy that that got it done for Bruce Pearl, and that's why Pearl's like crying after that game that he gets that he he misses out on, but. Um, you know, I didn't get it. I, I, no one saw the Okiki pick coming. I did see the Magic trading their 46 pick away to the Lakers. Yeah. I literally called that. Yeah. Uh, the Magic end up getting like a 2020 second round pick from the Lakers. Basically, Waltman and Hammond continued to show that uh, if, if basically picking between 20 and like 35, they don't care for Not that. Not for them. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I am going to be disappointed if Taco Fall or Aubrey Dawkins just kills it for their teams. Um, or just in, in, in their basketball careers in general. Taco, who was the the story of Summer League because everyone kept sitting out their players during Summer League, uh, basically just had all the attention of Celtics fans and just the NBA in general. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, what do you think? Of, who did you want the Magic to pick at 16? Or did, did you just not have anyone in specifically in I, mind? You know, it's hard for me. There were, This year there was no conviction for me for anyone. I... I... I'm glad that we didn't end up with Tyler Hero for whatever reason. I, he's not, uh, didn't appeal to me. But at this point, I think you have to trust the recent track record of both Weltman and Hammond. And also the fact that we have established rotation. So you're not looking for an impact player right away. You can take a guy who, uh, you know, has shown tools both ways, offensively and defensively, and allow him time and groom him. Yeah. Uh, you know, the player development has been off the charts in the last couple of years, so you put him in the system and, and let the system work for a little bit. So, any qualms about giving up 46? I mean, I mentioned the UCF thing just because. Right. But, I mean, honestly... I mean, I look knowing what for this year, no. No, knowing knowing what Weltham or Weham basically believe have shown from a belief standpoint in the draft, it was it wasn't shocking, and they've said that they don't want to get younger. So I think that's one reason why they also took Okiki was because that's another young guy you got to worry about. So I think I think the draft ended up fine. only time is gonna will show, but I actually think Okiki very well could be like a top ten guy from this draft when we look back in about two three years. I think he's gonna be more of a small forward than a power forward. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Tobias Harris, except he's not as fat as he was back then, um, and just better better athlete, right. better shape. He's I'm not expecting this guy to to be like a twenty point per game scorer like Tobias to his credit turned into. Um, I think though he can he can create a lot more. He rebounds really well for his position, and that's where kind of the stats analytics stuff kind of comes in because there's a lot of things that you just can't see with the naked eye that you know can't be quantified basically right. as far as just how much ground he covers, other stuff that just I, it's not coming to my head right now. But I mean, I think I, I'm just trusting the technology in the process at this point. Yeah, he projects to be 
not a superstar, but definitely a key cog type player. So, will you agree with me that maybe the easiest offseason move in the summer was uh, the Magic exercising Wesselwandu's two, uh, just under $2 million team option? I would agree with that. And it's a credit to him for improving his jump shot so much, especially in the second half of the year. Yeah, so, I mean, he... Man, he he shot 41% from the field last season, 36.7% from three-point range. That's the key right there. Right. I mean, even in in the playoffs, he still shot, you know, 33% from from downtown, etc. And so I think that he showed way more progress than I thought he could have possibly showed after his rookie season. I thought that he wasn't even going to make be on the team last season. And he busted his ass, and he showed that, Hey man, yeah, I'm, I'm I can be a good eighth, ninth guy off the bench, and that's why I I actually wanted to see a little bit more of him in that Raptor series, especially once Fournier was letting you know Danny Green kind of get going a little right. bit. So, um, I guess we can talk about uh, improvement by uh, people Ad- having or, addition uh, by addition by subtraction, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, all right. So here's who left. Uh, Jaron Grant is no longer on the Magic. No longer in the country. Um, so he, I would okay. Is he worse or better than Chris Duhon was for the Magic? Well, at least <laughs> Duhon. Travel had... dance aside okay. and, and party stories so, aside, uh, because only we... on court contributions. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh... not downtown dance contest contributions. Oof. Yeah, that's close, but uh, I'd probably still go Duhon. For I would longevity. go Duhon too. That's yeah. what's messed up. Yeah. So Jaron Grant's gone. Uh, we bought out Timothy Mozgov's contract, and I guess we stretched it because, well, we'll get to that in a second, but yeah. we, we bought out Timothy Mozgov's contract. He didn't play a second for the Magic, be it injuries, be it whatever. Basically, still, that, that trade with that trade to get rid of Biombo ends up being a win, if for nothing else, because Mozgov was a really good bench cheerleader. He actually had, he had no problem being on the bench getting paid. Right, and a great Gucci jacket, like, all the time. And the rotation. I'm not always a fan of guys who go blazer jeans, tennis shoes sometimes, but he pulled it off yeah. really well. So he and he had a he had a pretty good wardrobe collection. Yeah. So I think he just signed in Russia, I believe. So we'll see. Uh, well, we won't see, but maybe I'll see because I watched some I watched some Europe stuff. But um, we'll read. I, we'll see. So, but he's gone. Isaiah Briscoe. It sucks that he messed up his knee. Without him injuring his knee, we wouldn't have gotten Michael Carter Williams. And in Briscoe's defense, we played infinitely better with him instead of Grant. So it would have been interesting to see, you know, would the Magic still have made the playoffs without Michael Carter Williams? I'd like to think yes, but you know, that's that that's that's something for another day. We may or may not see Briscoe again on the Magic. We won't. I don't think so. But uh, there's still some people that kind of hold out hope that Briscoe might be coming back. He's still unsigned, so I think you know it'll be interesting to see if he's. At this point, it's Would probably he do training camp. I it's don't... probably a two-way contract with somebody, right? Yeah, and well, the Magic can't give him one right, right now. So, yeah. um, and then Drill Martin, who I guess I don't know, he's on the Brian Cook scale where he's just not mobile. Like he's a, he was a decent three-point shooter, but he just wasn't mobile enough to handle the power forward position as it stands today. Yeah, and he wasn't good enough to play any center, nor did we have any center minutes to give him. I mean, he got he got the rough he got a rough shot basically here. I mean, he he played fairly well for the Magic, but log jam. Yeah, just log jam, and Kem Birch just proved to be invaluable at the end as well. Yeah. So, uh, so Jerome Martin's gone. Uh, so 
just by them leaving alone, and I'm throwing in Jonathan Simmons too because the fault's trade, obviously. Well, yeah, so, yeah. But our second unit's going to get better because there's no more Jonathan Simmons, and, and and people forget how bad he was for the Magic the early on last season. I mean, he was god awful. So. <laughs> You're not wrong. So just because of the Fultz stuff, I mean, just bringing up Fultz, whatever. But, I mean, Simmons shot 36.4% from the field, 22.9% from three-point range in the 41 games that he played for us. He even started nine games for us. Yeah. So people that kind of look at the Magic's 22-9 to finish stretch to end last regular season seem to kind of as of a fluke because, I don't know, maybe teams were tanking, et cetera, which some were, but you still got to win those games. Right. But I will counter and say the Magic – by bringing back a lot of these guys, and we'll talk about the contracts and stuff in a bit, but bringing back a lot of these guys, the continuity is there. Yeah. Like, we get a second season of, of the Steve Clifford coaching staff again. Well, you would hope that they uh, make up a, a little bit of ground or, you know, get out to an early fast start with that continuity that a lot of other teams will have to work extremely hard to catch up to. But, I mean, you get no more Simmons. We have Fultz now, who we'll get to towards the end of the podcast probably, because yeah. literally yesterday we had new developments with him. But you get Mo Bamba back, who well, I'll have a question later on as well with him. But, I mean, he missed a large portion of last season due to his injuries, etc. He only played 47 games, started one for us. But already it seems like he is on the path to great success so we'll see and you know i don't i don't know what's going to happen with his minutes and birch's minutes etc but interesting having basically bomba and fultz are almost new additions to the team sure yeah and so especially fultz of course so um all right so going into the off into free agency what was your mindset with ross and vooch did you think we had to keep both how much was pricing coming into mind did you think the magic would actually go over the cap this high pushing up against the luxury tax there's a lot of stuff going into it because i'm going to tell you now i didn't think the magic would literally hug up against the luxury taxes yeah i didn't season. i didn't think they would either i thought to me the <laughs> the number one priority was always going to be vucevic and you you know I don't know if Terrence Ross season last season is going to be sustainable and and if he'll be able to replicate it. But so I don't think so from a points per game perspective, but I think we can actually get his three point percentages even higher, which that's kind of scary thinking about it, considering you know he shot so well both well not in the postseason. That's the other thing is he even though he didn't have a great postseason. That's because the Magic, you know, guys like Fournier, Isaac couldn't hit threes, basically. And so Ross is basically 30 feet away from the basket trying to get open looks, and it just wasn't happening, you know. He still shot 34% from three-point range, which actually isn't bad at all, considering their defensive focus. I mean, but in the regular season, he shot 38% from three, which I think we could actually get that above 40 this season. We'll see, depending on what type of improvements the team has. Well, and you talk about intangible things with our draft pick, but also with him, too. I think the locker room presence, obviously, he's well-liked. He seems to really have embraced the city and his teammates, and they and kind have embraced him right back. Yeah, human torch, man. Those are things that you don't... Uh, quantify on the court, but those are things that obviously have an impact on the culture in the locker room and uh, translate to wins at the end of the day, too. But I obviously you and I agree as far as Vooch being the priority, despite whatever happened in the playoffs. Look, he had two bad matchups all last season. It was Jonas Valanciunas and Marcus Saul. That was it. 
Even when he went up against guys like Embiid, he kicked Embiid's ass. Yeah. He really did, head to head. So and and look to the the other train of thought, right? Is to let these guys go because we're locking ourselves into a future of being a middling team. The alternative is hope, and hope for who? Because the free agency in 2020 is barren. It's sparse. Yeah. Yeah. So. Why not build on what you have? And if you're investing the resources in player development, uh, you know, and, and being an organization that is looking for long-term success, yeah. and that's what you're espousing to the public, then you have to double down and bet on it. And really, the type of team that will be in the future, while Vucevic and Ross are important, it's tied to Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba anyway. Yeah. And Markel Fultz now. Right. Well, yeah. Hopefully. But, yeah, I think uh, Walt, uh, Weltman and Hammond, they both said going into the offseason that Vucevic and Ross were priorities. Some GMs, or some front office guys kind of just say that, just to say that. But in the end, that yeah. actually turned out to be very true. Um, Vucevic gets four years, $100 million. A large portion of that's front-loaded, so... That contract is the main reason why the Magic ended up having to stretch out Mozgov's contract. Right. Because without having to stretch out, uh, without stretching out Mozgov's contract, the Magic would be over the luxury tax right now. And even though you have all of this upcoming season to get under the luxury tax, you still, the Magic, I guess, wanted to leave themselves a little bit of wiggle room in case, I don't know, something else comes up from yeah. a trade perspective. Because 40% of the league moved this offseason. 40% of the league can't move until December 15th. Right. Which, that's just absurd from a loyalty perspective, from a logistics perspective, yeah. maybe. I don't yeah. know. Uh, movie com- moving companies had a field day, maybe. I don't know. But, um, okay. What do you... So, look, it's not our money. We're not writing the checks. Yeah. I personally thought that Vooch would get four years, like 90 million, like max, and maybe some incentives, et cetera. But the four years, 100 million is guaranteed. There's some people, you know, ex- you know, yelling out loud, like, who are the Magic bidding against, et cetera. Well, I think there's a few teams that are bidding against. I think they're bidding against Boston, Sacramento, Dallas. Just because an offer isn't rumored to be extended doesn't mean that that chat doesn't happen. Right. But my other take is, how many of those teams rumored to be linked to Vooch? And there's probably more than three. I mean, I'm sure maybe the Knicks were talking about it as they realized they were missing out on the Kyrie Durant sweepstakes, etc. Right. But yeah. how many of those teams had Vooch as a number one signing priority? Oh, yeah. A few <clears throat> of them, right? Well, no, no. Number one? You well, think, okay. Now, like, when yeah. you think about, like, number let's say, one, let's say Kawhi's attainable. In, yeah, well, yeah. Not, Okay. I meant just kind of like okay. a dream list where it's like, okay, you very, got Kawhi, you have Kawhi out there, you have Durant out there, even even guys like Al Horford Jimmy were Butler. getting more stuff. Yeah, yeah. Butler. So okay. that's kind of my point of you're, view. On okay, that. you're right on that in that regard. I will say about the dollar amount of his contract too. You he he's in his prime right now and will be in his prime for the entirety of the four years of the contract and based probably, on based on how he plays where it's a game that's not so much based on athleticism but on skill. So you're I mean that doesn't erode when you're He's one in, of the least vertical guys in the league. Right. I'm not afraid to say that. Right. But because of that, the wear and tear is going to be very minimal. Like he might he might be up for another four-year contract with the Magic and let's not, face after it this too. deal, not at that amount, right. but still, I mean, he's pro- he, he, so far he's been a lot healthier than 
some of his peers, like I'll say the Gasol brothers, both of them, both Powell and Marc Gasol, when right. you look at how they've how they've been throughout their careers. Brooke Lopez, who got is still nowhere near Vooch's money, but people were going crazy because he could threes, but he's still not the overall talent that Vooch no. is. And let's face it too, he he extended early here the the four year <laughs> extension before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he was underpaid. He was. No, he so, really was. I don't have any qualms about him. The money can't go anywhere else. We're already over the cap. So, I mean, you're talking about brushing up against the luxury tax and those ramifications. But it's money well earned, and I, I'm glad he's here. And I think he'll continue to perform at a high level moving forward. And, look, he wasn't the only person that struggled in, in the postseason against Marcus Saul. Joel Embiid also struggled in that postseason, and there were other people that had issues with that defense. That Raptors defense was just good in the end. Yeah. And when you lose to the champs, you look at things at a completely different perspective That's... than say, hey, we just got knocked out of the first round. Right. But in the case of Vooch, you, you talked about how Weltman and Hammond, Walt Ham, I'm, I'm going to just go with Walt Ham okay. and make it a little shorter basically went all in on this roster and what they think they can get from this roster. And part of doing that is is putting forward an offer that is strong, maybe not overpaid in their eyes, but strong and say, hey, we want you here. Right. Here's four years, $100 million. And could Vooch have gotten a little bit more? Who knows? Maybe. Could it? But, I mean, look, you're paying for your all-star to stay in here. And this is our first all-star since Dwight Howard left. And again... Five games does not overthrow everything that Vooch has done as a member of the Magic. Because a couple of seasons ago, he easily could have been an all-star as well had the Magic not been crap back then. Well, I think also to underscore your point, too, you you talk about building a new culture within the organization with this regime. And you're you're sending a message to everyone else that we value our talent and we pay our talent and we keep our talent. And I think that's a valuable message, too. So, look, the other thing is people were screaming, hey, let's give Mo, let's just re-sign Mo Bamba and Ken Birch and let Vooch walk. And it just needs to be pointed out again, this team is significantly worse without Vooch. Because Vooch last season, as great as his offense was, he was a plus defender. He, right. was, a, he was a plus defender. I mean, I think uh, David Aldridge came out with a piece today in The Athletic pointing out some of the stuff that Vooch basically provided. Vooch was top 10 in the league in PER and VORP, which is the value over replacement player stat. Top 10 in the entire league, not just the center position, in the entire freaking league. And so you can't just let a top 10 guy go and expect a second-year guy, Mobamba, who's only played 47 games, and then Kem Birch, as much as I love Kem, because of the Olympiacos tie and et cetera, and... Kem's look good playing for Canada as well from the prep for the FIBA World Cup, etc. That means nothing at this point. But um, as much as I, I like Birch and as much promise as Bamba has, you can't do that and expect to make the playoffs. If well, you you're, let, you're certainly not going to get the same level of playmaking mm-hmm. and, you know, he's, he's a very under. Yeah. And the, that's the other thing. He's a very underrated playmaker at yeah. the center position. Yeah. He, you know, people kind of complain that the Magic are feeding their offense through the center. You know, it's, that's not the way to go anymore. But there's no other and better option until no. one presents itself. That's the way to go. And you know what? The Magic made the playoffs because of it. They're likely going to get better at doing this now that they've done it for a season. So we'll see. I'm not going to say he's going to end up, you know, dish, making passes like Nikola Jokic or something in Denver has. But he's a significant upgrade. And it's just something to, to factor in, I think. Yeah. So. 
we'll see about that. Moving on, time to talk Terrence Ross, human torch stuff. So, Ross made, we talked about how Vooch was underpaid. Ross made $10.5 million last season, which, depending, which, pretty solid money for, for a bench guy, despite he should have gotten a lot more six man of the year attention, etc. Yeah. But, uh, he ends up getting four years, $54 million. Uh, so it's actually about $50 million guaranteed. Four of it is incentivized, apparently. So, but uh, just factoring in the $54 million, that's $13.5 million. I think that's actually a really solid contract to get him at because I honestly thought he was going to get like $15 million or more elsewhere. Yeah. Look, because Vooch turns 28 in October. Ross isn't, isn't much younger. He's 28 now. And he the thing with him is... He depends a lot more on his athleticism sure. than Vooch does. Not just for the dunking part, etc., but actually shooting. The reason why he's such a great shooter is he elevates so high that most defenders can't, def- you know, can't defend a shot yeah. that well. Um, but I am seeing an interest. It is something to point out moving forward when we look at, you know, who do Hammond and Weltman kind of focus on as far as free agents go, or maybe like trade targets, etc., that are high talent people. Both Ross and Vooch are family men. We talk about Orlando being a, a, a free agency destination. This isn't like a, a big bachelor destination. I'll, I'll, I'll admit this. We don't have the glitz and glamour that I guess Miami does in that regard. Okay. But if you're a family guy, it's pretty. It's it's very attractive with as with all the stuff that you can do around here. It's a great place to live. In that regard, no income tax. Uh, weather for the most part, especially in the winter, at winter. least is pretty good. Winter, winter weather is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and. I, I am going to be curious to see moving forward what this Weltham regime kind of does uh, as far as who they target from that perspective. So I, I it, it just kind of popped to me, and I've never heard anyone else talk about it. But well, hey, I I want you to tell that to Courtney Lee and Mario Hazonia, who are young bachelors that played in <laughs> Orlando and then stayed in Orlando to live. Look, there's still people that do that. I mean, Martin Gortat still I think shows up right. every once in a while, and so like I'm I'm look, you I and guess. I are both single guys, okay? We like it here. I'm just saying, from an NBA perspective, if we had millions of dollars and we had our picking of where we wanted to go, okay. there's some other options from an NBA player perspective we'll let, where Orlando I'll let would Civic Pride yeah. wash away and be realistic about so, it. So, but basically, okay. So, juice it or lose it. Orlando's weakest position is point guard. Who? Uh, I'm gonna. Ooh. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. Okay. And I'm gonna say for right now, shooting guard. Okay. I actually I I have to agree with that actually, and it's got nothing to do with Ross because yeah, right? he is technically the backup shooting guard. Now, now could shooting guard be one of the strongest positions next year? Yes. <laughs> if Fournier returns to form. Which was not ideal for him last season, right. and especially not in the playoffs. And if Ross replicates last year? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, again, Markel Fultz is kind of doing this to us, where right. it's like, we're looking at, again, Augustine. Right. He had that great game one, yeah. couldn't do much more than that. We're bringing back Michael Carter-Williams, a guy who can't shoot, but can defend his ass off. And as a third, borderline second string point guard, not bad. Not bad. But... If Fultz becomes what Fultz very well could be, that point guard position looks pretty good if you have very DJ strong. Augustine as right. the backup point guard, potentially. Right. Not out of the gate, but potentially. Well, well, let's face it, too. I think 
even in the beginning, assuming, and we'll get into it, I'm sure, assuming Fultz is cleared and healthy and ready to go, I think you're still going to try and manage DJ Augustine's minutes a little bit more than you did last year. Well, so yeah, you're probably he's, he's in his early 30s. You're probably splitting time pretty equally. So 24 minutes for each, they can handle that. Yeah, and look, Augustine is getting to that point now where guys that are, and I know he's listed at six foot, he's not six foot, he's but not. guys that are under six foot, in their once they hit their 30s, is a real significant drop off, and a lot of that is health. Now, credit to DJ, this was his best season ever as an NBA pro, ten plus seasons in the league, I think yeah. we're looking at now, and so. You know, he, I mean, he played well. He started 81 games. He shot 47% from the field, 42.1% from three. I can't ask for much better than that. I really right. can't. Um, I mean. Assist to turnover ratio, too, was. Great. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, can't. I, I can't. No qualms at all about the season that he had. I mean, it was basically, uh, I don't know, four to one, three and a half to one right. assist to turnover ratio, which is pretty solid in my book. Yeah. So, um but looking at that shooting guard position real quick, you're right. I mean, Fournier, he shot 44% from the field, 34% from three. That's not what he's getting paid $17, $18 million per season to do. No. And so and in the postseason, it was way worse. It was 35% field goal shooting, 24% from three, and he defended like ass. And so he killed our offensive flow. Are we allowed to compare his contract and performance to Victor Oladipo's contract and performance, or is that a sunk cost and we have to just let it all wash away? I think it's a sunk cost just because Vic didn't become who he is now until when he went to Oklahoma stop. City. He okay. had to. Do, it didn't happen till afterwards when he went to Indiana. A lot of that was maybe just getting in better shape. It turned out, which yeah. he couldn't do. Again, he couldn't have done that in under the Hannigan Orlando staff, apparently. Let's say this, too. It's not for lack of effort for on Evan Fournier's part for the season that he had last year. But also, he's a, he's a prideful son of a bitch. And if he doesn't come back and perform better this season, then he, he probably is not capable of doing it ever again, right? Yeah, no, I mean... I mean it looks like, and I hate when I, when this happens, but watching these guys on Instagram, like Fournier looks like he might be coming in this offseason into the new Magic season as in the best shape of his life. Um, we'll see how he does at the FIBA World Cup. Look, it's different style of basketball. It's literally different court dimensions. It's a different style of play. If he plays well, great. If he plays like crap, don't look too much into it. I'll start worrying once we get through preseason into the regular season, and we'll see about that. Um, uh, okay, so from a point guard perspective, you weren't disappointed at all that the Magic didn't go after, say, a Mike Conley, a Russell Westbrook, or a Chris Paul, or even from a shooting guard position, uh, uh, Bradley Beal or Jimmy Butler. Was any of those five or six guys, whatever, that might have been available was there one that you really kind of looked at and, and went, I think the Magic should, should do this? And I don't know if you did played around with the trade machine like I did a little bit. Yeah, I think we had a discussion, and then, you know, you actually made a move to Twitter with, with one of those. <laughs> Aaron Gordon, very well-liked, protected man, yeah. as he should be. Yeah. But, but overall, I, I'm not sure that any of those players particularly – well, Bradley Beal is one, right? But I don't think I any – I also didn't mention Drew Holiday, yeah. but he was the sixth guy. And any of those players don't particularly fit the timeline with where we're at right now. Yeah. And 
also it's a two way street, right? They they have to be motivated to come here and perform. Which and clearly have, there wasn't much motivation for any of them probably right. to get to come down here. Yeah. And I'm sure it was explored. Um, tampering doesn't mean shit nowadays, so right. you can you can tamper away all you want. But at the end of it all, I look. Trading once Mozgov got stretched, that 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 idea went out of my head. Once that seventeen million went off the books, basically right. to stretched out to things like five point three or whatever, right. etc. That went out the window because the only big, the only guy I really would trade at this point is Fournier. That's about it. Like as much as people think I hate him, I like Mobamba. I do. Um, I mean, I don't hate Fournier either. I just think there's kind of a limit to him. Yeah. But well, we're gonna find the, out. Yeah. We're gonna find out. I mean, he he very well could prove us wrong, um, and we hope he does. Yeah, no, I please make me eat crow because if he does, we'll we're looking pretty good for next season. But um, yeah, so I, it sounds like you and I aren't di- weren't dis- disappointed with the with the Magic not making a trade, despite my sober and then not sober <laughs> trade machine playings. Um, any complaints about Mozgov being stretched, like from a cap perspective? I mean, look, I I know. The way it works is, had the Magic not stretched out Mozgov, we'd be over the luxury tax right now. But there's a way that we could have traded, done trades as the season progressed to where we could have gotten under the luxury tax, depending on you know what other team teams had you know flexibility wise from a cap perspective. I mean, our flexibility is compromised anyway. Yeah. So, I. It's not our money, and we want a blank check all the time. But if you're not at a point where you're in championship contention, it's understandable to not want to pay the luxury tax penalty. Yeah, so, and I think you pointed out perfectly, there's nothing that's really coming our way 2020 from a free agent perspective that just goes, okay, the Magic should do that. I feel like moving forward until the Magic really start making like deep postseason runs, I think the only way you're going to be able to to bring in like substantial talent is either develop it or you have to trade for it. Right. And so And yeah. and look too, I mean if you want to yeah. if you want to project into the future, we, there's there's a log jam on the wings and eventually if you need to make a move if faults doesn't work out or if you need to clear the decks at center or whatever you need to do. Yeah. One of our prized wings will be the piece that's moved to kind of swap out and rearrange the parts. And that's pretty much where we're at. Right. Yeah. So, all right. How much of summer league did you watch? So we're, we're, we're through, we're up to the summer league portion of of the conversation. Now, did you watch the, how much of the magic did you watch? I'll be honest. I didn't watch that much other than Mobamba's first game, basically, which was the earthquake game. Right. I definitely watched the first game. I did not watch the entirety of the week. You know, I've never been a huge summer league guy. Not, I'm not a pro union guy, Cap. Apparently not many of the teams now that sent that are participating in summer league um, care for actually having their young guys and their talent playing anymore. And right. that sucks for all the people that bought t- plane tickets, hotels, you know, hotel stays, etc. And then tickets to and summer league waited in line to enter the buildings. Yeah. And I mean, getting all hyped up about, you know, Zion Williamson getting yeah. hyped up about taco fall who brought it at least. But yeah. um, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. What, 
what type of hype summer league is going to have if people know that these guys aren't going to play or they'll play like sparingly well the interesting thing is obviously you've been a part of a lot of summer leagues uh you know the orlando summer league which r.i.p because it's gone right now and i think some teams might miss it now because of what's gone down and i think a lot of the fans probably well the astute ones do but i think a lot of the fans probably don't realize that it's not just that week of games and it's not just that week of practices around the games it's weeks of practices at the team facilities prior to the teams going to Orlando or Vegas or Utah or whatever, you know, wherever the summer league might be. Yeah. Um, and then also arriving there and intensively practicing leading up to the start of the games too. So there's a lot of valuable work that guys like Mobamba are getting without having to actually play in the games. So there's a benefit in that regard, but obviously the fans miss out. Yeah, I I wasn't happy that they sat out Mo after one game because of the general soreness stuff. But once he said he they once other teams sat their guys out, then it's like okay, then now you're just risking Mo like getting roughed up by some guys that are really desperate just to sniff the league. So right. it's fine. He looked good. He had those 15 points in in the in limited minutes that he played. Offense looks good. Can't really gauge defense at all in a summer league game. I'm fine with how it went. Not much more to go. Um, so after that game, that earthquake game, the Magic uh, signed Al Farouk Aminu, Chief, which is I, I'm a I'm a big Chief nickname guy. So I think you've used it more than I have yeah, in, a our, nickname, in our friendship. But uh, okay, people freaking out because the Magic got another say power forward in Al Farouk Aminu. People right. might be worried that he's going to take minutes from Isaac Bamba, etc. What are your initial thoughts on it? Because I'm going to give you what I think the depth chart's going to look here in a second. Okay. but Or I can give it to you now. You want me to give you my depth sure. chart right now? Yeah. Okay. Not factoring in the two, the Exhibit 10 contracts or the, two, the right. two-way contracts, etc. But I think the depth chart right now is centers looking at like Vucevic, Bert, or Birch, or Bamba. I see. We'll talk okay, about juice it. it. No, we're doing it now. Right. We're doing it now. Right. Juice it or lose it. Yeah. Kem Birch, not Mobamba, goes into the preseason as the backup center. And I say preseason. Preseason, I'm juicing. I'm juicing you hard. You think it's Birch? Regular season, I'm I'm losing it strictly by virtue of the fact of the dollar amount of Kem Birch's contract, which is less than Mobamba's contract. Right. So, okay, another juice it or lose it question. Mo Bamba's weight gain is more legitimate than Jonathan Isaac's. So, Isaac reportedly gained 25 pounds in three months. Bamba gained 20 pounds from January going into the July Summer League, so six months. So, if you do the math, 20 20 pounds of muscle in six months versus 25 pounds of muscle in three months, and only having seen Jonathan Isaac in some... Charity stuff, as well as uh, U.S. Select Team action. <laughs> yeah, which way are you going on that? So we're we're answering this. I'm in. We're answering. Juice it or lose it. Mo yeah. Bamba's weight gain is more legitimate than Isaac's. It's I'm juicing it. Yeah. It's more legitimate because we've visually seen it, and we've only seen Isaac in t-shirts and <laughs> slender navy blue slimming attire to okay. this point. That right? was my softball okay. because it's uh, quite obvious yeah. it's Mo, it, it's yeah. it's Mo Bamba yeah. and he's had more time to do it. Right. And he technically has not gained as much weight as Isaac. Isaac it's it's all got to be in his base because I'm it's I'm a, looking it's at It's a reported 25 yeah. pounds in in 3 months, yeah. but 
Mo, he's he's got the gun show going on now already. So, and I mean, he still looks very skinny. He's right, moving around right. pretty well, but it's it's very clear that the weight seems very legitimate with him. And so, it's a noticeable change. I think, as much as I love Kem Birch, I do think that Bamba will will go into the regular season, as you said, as the backup center. However, well, do you want to hop well, in? Well, I I well, let's say this too. I think last season. Ken Birch was realistic about where he sat on the depth chart. And I think he will be equal. Not that a professional basketball player doesn't want to play minutes in professional basketball games. Yeah. But he's got children. Orlando's <laughs> a great family destination. Yeah, it is. And the NBA is a better life than the European basketball leagues are also i mean for him also from an off-season perspective he had a lot of interest like people were talking about like Dwayne deadman from atlanta getting a lot of free agent interest there are people that thought birch was a bigger name so depending on how the magic looked during the season birch could very well get traded to like a different team most likely contender maybe somewhere where he could potentially be like a seventh or eighth guy who knows we'll see but um I, so, center, Vooch, Bamba, Birch, we'll, we'll go with that. Power forward, and you can disagree with me on this, but I, I have Aaron Gordon listed as the power forward Okay. with Aminu, Chief, as his backup. Now, I've, said, I've tweeted this a lot. I have Aaron Gordon as the offensive power forward, right. defensive small forward. At the three, I have Isaac as the offensive small forward, defensive power forward and looking at small forward i have isaac obviously starting at small forward i have wessel wandu as the backup small forward at six seven listed could be taller who knows yeah melvin frazier who we haven't heard much from him uh other than him looking a little doughy in a picture about three months ago but i'm assuming that was before the gains came so he could be ripped by the time preseason comes etc and then i listed okiki as the fourth small forward at small uh, you know even though he's not signed right now etc but um, I have him listed there. And then shooting guard, I got Fournier and Ross. No controversy no really there, there. And then from point guard, I, I do have Augustine, Michael Carter-Williams, and then Markel Fultz, Fultz is the third guy. But, all right. That's uh, a realistic depth chart. Yeah, because, again, Weltman yeah. and Hammond don't want to put any pressure on Fultz, although it seems like other – Okay, how much of these videos have been watching the past few days or the past the whole summer? We went from oh dang, I can see Fultz lifting both his arms. That's a good sign. To right. okay, he's working out. I can see he's sweating clearly in all these pictures. So he's definitely working out. Even in the photos, you can tell he's slimmed down a lot. Based even from when they did the introductory press conference. So to answer your question, all the videos, <laughs> and to pose another question to you, juice it or lose it, Mark Fultz's recent week of videos is more meaningful than any of the Hoodie Mellow videos. Oh, Juice It. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, I don't think Mellow's getting back in the NBA right now. I'm, the, the expanse, Just, all of the Hoodie Mellow summer workout volumes, the entire collection. Yeah, even though more meaningful. Even, even though Mellow's yeah. gotten the more national hype, yeah. like, there's still not a, a lot of people that picked up on the Fultz okay. video, really. Yeah. Also, when, those video, when the most recent Fultz videos where he's, dribbling well first early in the week yeah there was the dunk video that came out right where people were like you know we're, we're freaking out and then there's some people especially sixers fans who are extremely butthurt and this is going to be fun as watching this is especially when we get into preseason when the magic play the sixers in preseason right 
I'm sure they'll sit Fultz out just for the hell of it. We'll see. But um, people were like, oh, Fultz dunking was never an issue, whatever. It was always an issue with the shot form, which technically was right, etc. And then the videos come out where he's shooting multiple jump shots, doing a lot of dribbles. I mean, you, I, I'm sure you've done quick, you, know, you, you might have analyzed the shots. I feel like when he's not thinking about it, so when he's like a dribble driving up on somebody and then doing like a spin move or, or just kind of releasing the jump shot, it looks a lot more natural than when he's just shooting an open jumper, be it a three-pointer, etc. Um, I, well, I think that's natural for any athlete that when you're, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Not. When, you're, when you're going to something that you've repetitively done over and over and you're not thinking about it, the results are more natural. But I, I'm going to say this. Okay, okay. come on. The the hope is that Markel Fultz is playable and healthy and right. We also talked about the fact that let's let's assume worst case scenario he never plays a game in a Magic jersey. Worst case scenario, right? Still a more positive impact than anything Jonathan Simmons would have given us in 2020. Right? Still a great trade. Okay, I think we went seven and zero after we acquired Fultz right? when he was on the bench. So, so let's get that out of the way first and foremost. The cost to acquire him is nothing. Okay, so we're gonna take a Twitter question okay. now for this. So uh, Sigamod Nalor, which is in reverse, it's Orlando, Orlando Magic, Magic in reverse. Backwards, yeah, and yeah, he's asking. Best guess: Will Kel be ready to begin the season? But no. My, that's my guess. You think no? No. Oh, I think yes. Right. I think... I, I, and what does be ready to play entail for you? St- back be, up, back it's up a, Just be ready minutes? to begin the season. Literally, he is getting he, on the court for games. They'll dress him for games? Yes. And he will be on the court. He will physically play minutes. I say in, no. In the, in the first... I think it's going to happen even in the preseason. I'm not even talking regular season. Okay. I think it's preseason. I think what Karan Butler said yeah. was right... I think when he said, well, I don't think he's going to be a starting point guard out of the gate. No, I'm not going that no. far. But he says that he's going to start. And I think, I mean, Karan Butler was the first guy that brought up that he was suffering from thoracic outlet syndrome, etc. And obviously they'd have the Raymond Brothers agent connection, etc., whatever. Right. But um, based off what I've see, what I saw just in, that, in, 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 those vi- in those last most recent videos... He looks like he, he's ready for five-on-five five action. And I know it's okay. Summer League. Clifford said, no, it's not. You know, he's not ready, which might have been true. But we're over a month back. It's been over a month since then. And he's shooting the ball. There's a little bit of a hitch, maybe. I don't know. You can tell me about a shooting form. Well, but I, I'm not going to analyze the I don't shoot. care about yeah. shooting form. If I'm it not fucking gonna... goes in and, and you're comfortable shooting the ball, right. then I'm fine with it. You're good. You're ready to play. So let's let's break down from my perspective, right? As uh, and sorry, that was the question from uh, Kareem Helbelli, which yeah. uh, thank you for the Twitter question there. But um, from my perspective, as somebody who who has coached high level basketball, cannot play high level basketball. Yeah, you and can play does, a little bit. You just not you just don't have the height. Does not have the mindset of a professional athlete with um, you know basically unlimited self confidence, which you're going to need to have to come back from an injury that affects your physical form and lingers mentally. So it's not just like an ACL tear, which once you go up and down a couple times and you test it, yeah. it fades away from your memory. Right. Mm-hmm. This is an ongoing thing. The, the videos that we've seen to this point are nothing that we couldn't film 
capture and distribute of you doing at Baldwin Park or I can't, at the downtown I can't, I can't, YMCA. I can't dribble like that, man. I'm sorry. I we could lower I, the I can we do... could lower the hoops to nine feet. Yeah. We could lower the hoops to nine feet and have you be Woody Harrelson and get the get the dunk. Okay? <laughs> we could have you finish the alley oop and we could we could shorten the clip to a five second burst. And show you crossing over, a, you know, support staff member. I, I can't dribble like that. I'm and not gonna draining lie. a 15 I can do the Penny Hardaway turnaround jumper. Okay. I can do it. I'm just telling you, I can't dribble like that. The way he went, he goes in and out, turns around, shoots the ball, etc. He it looks fluid. He looks comfortable. I think come preseason, we're seeing him on the court. I, I hope really so. I for, think we're doing it. That's sake, my prediction. I, so. I think he's playing. Okay. I really do. And. I'm hoping that he does it. I'm hoping that he plays in that Sixers preseason game. I will say, too, the fact that there's content being distributed. That's the other thing is Foltz told them to take the videos down. No, he told them to take the videos down. So my my thing was he's not trying to hype himself up. He's actually legitimately busting his ass working on it, and he doesn't want anything to be shown until he's actually playing come preseason. So that's how that's you my read thing. Into that's it. how I read it. Some I, people read it the complete opposite. I'm gonna, I read into it that mentally he doesn't, emotionally and mentally he's not ready for that step. We're gonna find out, but I, I actually think that's it's a positive that he did that. So, um, but look, the fran like I mean, for right now, the franchise is tied to his recovery and his ultimate success. Yeah. Also, Kem Birch's contract two years, six million, so yeah. three million per year, still makes less than Obama's rookie year, the rookie year contract. Yeah. The only other guy they had to sign to really bring him back was Michael Carter Williams, one year for two million bucks minimum. I mean, I actually thought there might have been a shot he could have gotten more somewhere else maybe. I thought he played fairly respectable enough to where, I don't know, some team maybe needed an upgrade at backup because, I mean, he's a big body. He defends well. He get he, he he distributes the ball well enough to where his shooting, you know, like as long as you don't play him more than 10 minutes per game, etc. I think it's fine. But, um, yeah, I believe in Markel Fultz. We'll, we'll leave it at that okay. stuff for that. Um, any issues qualms about the two-way contracts that we signed uh with uh Mil jefferson who's coming back for a second year and then josh majet who i didn't realize he was 30 years old but he's yeah. 30 years old um point guard situation he actually played for the magic back in uh, back several quite a few years ago now at summer league so right. um i well i think we remember majet quite well from our uh d-league video turnaround scouting days yeah he made those games fun to edit i so. mean he He's I he's not an NBA caliber player, although he is now that each team has seventeen roster spots. <laughs> yeah, right. He's not going to be any more than what he is. I think he's literally the break glass in case of emergency. Like Fultz can't play, he's done, yeah. and then like one of Augustine and and Michael Carter Williams yeah. is hurt. So but, in that situation, he's great because again, the way those work is you can't play more than forty five days in the league. And and for Emil Jefferson, I'm surprised that he took the same contract again. I'm really surprised, but. If that's what he wants, then, you know, he's a good depth piece. And because if for any reason Ken Birch does get moved and he's a third-string center, yeah. he, can, he can fill that void. Yeah. No, I mean, those are depth signings. I'm not going to comment on the Exhibit 10 contracts no. or the guys that we're bringing to camp. But there are some people that were screaming that, you know, one of the guys that actually did well at summer, well, two of the guys were Vic Law and Daquan Jeffries. But Daquan Jeffries, in particular, people were thought he would get one of the two ways. He right. didn't. He's betting entirely on himself 
that's kind of one of those where those type of guys, if they don't make the league, they still make a decent amount of money, amount amount of money in other leagues, like right. in Europe, like yeah. in Europe, maybe not Euro League big time squads, etc. But you can still make a good living, and you can try again in in the next summer. So, don't need to comment on that. Um, okay, I here's a question for you. So, who do you regard as the best player on the team on the Magic currently? Currently, at this moment? still Vucevic. Okay, I just wanted to double okay. check with that. Um, that could change in a year or two. We're gonna find out. I do think that. I think I want to talk a little bit about Aaron Gordon now. So. I think Aaron Gordon could be an all-star this this upcoming season. This is the time he's he's about to turn 24 years old. I'm the only person on earth who compares him to Sean Marion from the Phoenix Sundays. Yeah. Look, AG dribbles the ball a lot better than Sean Marion. He has better shooting form than Sean Marion does. Sean Marion was a 2010 guy quite often, and I think he was a four-time all-star in it during his time with the Suns. But his first, the first time Sean Marion was an All Star was his age twenty four season, where he averaged I think it was like eighteen points per game and okay. nine rebounds and only like two assists. Whereas Aaron last year had a career high three point seven assists per game. Even though his scoring totals went down, he still played really freaking well. I he think was he was a, more a much more player. he was a much more efficient player. I mean, again, he was probably overall our best player in the playoffs. He shot the 40% from three in, in the Raptors series, 47% on field goals. For the season, his three-point percentage, he got it to 35%, 45% from field goal range. And so, I mean, I think that next season, I think Aaron, if the Magic are trying to become a top six, top four, top five team in the in the Eastern Conference, I think Aaron Gordon has to just up it up a little bit more than that 16-point-per-game average that he had. Maybe try, I mean, 7.4 rebounds, that's pretty strong nowadays for that position. I think he's going to be able to get more points. I don't know what your thought is on it, if you think AG can it can be an all-star again. I don't even know if Vooch can be another all-star again. Right. That's the other thing is if Vooch doesn't have to average 21 points per game next season. He just needs to be efficient. He needs to get the offense going. He needs to get guys open buckets. And I think he's going to draw more attention. And because of that, guys like Aaron, guys like Isaac, guys like Fournier, hopefully, and whoever's playing at point guard are going to benefit immensely from it. Yeah, I think that you'll probably see Vucevic's numbers take a step back next year. Hopefully the rebounding, not so much. But if you have three guys in the starting lineup at 17, 18 points a game, that probably speaks to the success that they're having as a team. I will say, talking about Aaron Gordon, there's definitely... Obviously, he's young. He improved last year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't reached his ceiling. I envision him as a as probably a number two guy on a on a good team. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think the person that we're looking for probably the most or that has the highest ceiling is Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. So, like if if the team is and you know again we're dis, I'm discounting Markel Fultz for now, right? But if the team is going to ascend into that top five home court advantage kind of team, eventually I think you need Jonathan Isaac to be your two-way player, mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon the support piece, and then Vucevic morphs into kind of the third banana type guy. Which, if you're winning, he won't care. That's, right. I don't think right. he'll care as much. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think this next season is going to be very But look, promising. both of them are... You know, Aaron yeah. Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, 
you you have chips in on both. So yeah, it's it's not a bad place to be. No. One of them's gonna you feel like one of them's gonna hit. Yeah, I mean they're they're both right there. I'm telling. And this is why I I like it when guys get involved in international competitions. Look at Jonathan Isaac's situation. He's being coached by Greg Popovich right. and his staff. And, I mean, based off what we've heard and seen a little bit so far from uh, what he's done with the U.S. Select team, going up against the main squad is the, the Select squad is playing better than the main squad in many instances right now. And Isaac's been part of some of those lineups where you see, I mean, he's got a few great clips where he's hitting threes and he's he's got like some great dunks on the break etc and those type of situations not only one is it good for recruiting if you if you get right. in a situation where you get an unhappy guy who wants to go somewhere else be a trade or free agency but i mean you're learning stuff off of teammates you're learning stuff off of coaching staffs that can be used both for good and for you know when you're actually playing against them right. etc but that's where you pick up a move here or there where it's like you know i don't want to come up with anything specific but there's a reason why last year I thought Isaac literally looked like Kevin Durant on offense during summer league. Again, it's only summer league, but we didn't think he had that ability at all a year ago. Right. So I want to see, you know, we saw once he got snubbed from that, you know, rookie, sophomore, whatever, world against the U.S. game, you know, with the rookies and the sophomores in the All-Star game, how pissed off he was from February on that he didn't get in. And he showed that aggressiveness, and he showed that, oh, damn, this guy might be the best guy on this team yeah. in two years or yeah. a year. So just something to think about. So lead, going from there, Vegas projects the Magic over-under at – Depending on where you look at, 40 and a half or 41 and a half wins next season. Juice it or lose it, Orlando wins more than 41 and a half games uh, next season. Juicing the hell out of it again. I mean, we the who's who's leaving us, Brooklyn? Okay, but well, I don't want to talk about the other teams. Don't okay. worry about the other because right. we'll, we'll save that for for right. a later pod. We'll talk about. Because, I don't think they take a step back in the win column. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't. They. How many games did we win last year? 42. Yeah. Before, I mean... We brought everybody back. We got rid... We, we Fultz is basically a new player. We, Bamba we only had for a half season. We got rid... We're getting rid of Simmons, Grant. Uh, I mean, we... I mean... I don't know. I'm not saying 50, but I don't see less than 42. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, look, the East as a whole is probably going to be a little bit stronger depending on you know, which teams are healthy. I think Indiana might be a little overrated till Oladipo gets back. He's going to be out a while. Right. Brooklyn, I think, might be overrated because if it doesn't go well for Kyrie, they're screwed because Kevin Durant's not around right now. So, right. again, I don't want to go too deep into that because we'll yeah. save that for another pod. But I'm with you. I don't think there's any reason why the Magic shouldn't make the playoffs. I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't win at least 42 games. 42 games, should or 42 wins, should be good enough for the playoffs again next season. Um, you know, I, I just I I get worried when a lot of the national media looks at the Magic not making abrupt changes as a or looking at the Magic not making abrupt changes as a negative more than a positive. I think having seen what we saw from this team on that twenty-two to nine run to end the season, what how we saw them mesh as the season went along. It took, you know, Grant being replaced by Briscoe. It right. took Birch taking Bomba's minutes when Mo was officially ruled out, etc. But you see this team coming together. You see that another 
another you know you have this year under your belt now going in where you're not learning a whole bunch of brand new stuff from Clifford and the coaching staff you see that they've already meshed that's done now it's all about being efficient with each of these guys knowing good tendencies bad tendencies right not having Jonathan Simmons fucking chuck like <laughs> the first half of the season, etc. Right off his foot. Yeah, so I think just that alone is going to make this team better. Part of the reason why, look, the Magic were great towards the end of the season or all of last season. You know, well, anyway, the twenty-two to nine yeah. run last season was because they didn't have injuries. That's why I think you they you have to look at the Amino signings. You have to look at. Just their depth is better as a whole. Yeah. We just discussed this the whole podcast. Their depth is better as a whole, and now I think they're prepped for any injuries that come because you got Birch or Bamba as a third center. You've got Aminu uh, you know, being able to cover, play a lot more minutes right. than he'll probably play out of the gate. You know, you look at Awandu, Frazier might be able to play a little bit more, etc., but Awandu can play more minutes. Yeah. So... I think it's there. I think it just makes sense that the mag that it's stupid to think that the Magic are a below five hundred team. I yeah. just I just don't see it. I agree. So, um, we're almost to the end now. So, uh, we'll get to the slogan upgrade or update in a, in a bit. But uh, let's talk about the orange. Well, hold on. Yeah, let's talk about the orange themed Magic jerseys here. So, the rumor has it the Magic are getting four new jerseys for next season. They're keeping at least a couple of the pinstripe jerseys. Ross is saying a new court's coming, a new jersey's coming. We don't have to talk much about it, but are you are you interested in all in what orange jerseys might look like? I'm excited about it. I think depending on the shade of orange, and we're both Boone Brave, so right. that could go well or bad, as you and I have both yeah. seen. So um, I I'm I'm excited. I, I I just I want like a cool Utah Jazz like a court upgrade for whatever alternate jersey they yeah. give us. We've, so. we've seen some cool mocks. We've seen some <clears throat> less cool mocks. There's a lot of area to play with. I'm, but I'm ready. It's a good opportunity. I'm ready for our logo to be updated because I think the current version of our logo is pretty bad, especially from the previous ones. Where I just hate the font. The font's right. killing me. Yeah. So we'll see. Um. All right. Juice it or lose it. Magic above all is a slogan upgrade. I'm going to juice it, but not like... Excitedly. Like, yeah, like pulse. I'm going to pulse it. Uh-huh. The, yeah. Like, I, I was never a fan of the pure magic. I mean, David Steele used it a lot and did a good job of working it in. And they, there were some good moments on calls with big shots. Pure like, magic! Right? But... I don't think that a lot of teams use the same slogan repeatedly for several years in a row, or right. at least not not lately. Yeah. So it was time for a change. I do remember. I will say they did send out uh, like a Qualtrics survey in March of last year, and I remember taking it, and they had a number of potential slogans where they were asking for feedback. Oh, I want that survey. One Damn. of the slogans was, we got next. And I was sitting there going, I can't believe they're really going to float the WNBA <laughs> slogan for the mass so i'm glad of all the things to pick magic above all is a clear-cut upgrade over that right yeah it's it is going to be tough to say it in any th- audio clip basically like i don't know how david Steele's going to put that he might have to whip out pure magic for some of those calls. if the magic win the first game of the regular season and they flash uh you know a graphic of the standings then it's magic above all for today. Ah, I like that. Yeah, oh, you put some yeah, thought into that. But. So Jeff Turner's not giving up Kapaya. <laughs> let's, let's just put it that way. Um, what do you think? It, it's an upgrade. Like I said, I don't, I don't, 
it's tough to really just get into magic above all. Like, right. I'm a classic. Let's go magic. You are that guy. I am that guy. I I I, I pushed it. You know, I, I I that was my hashtag during the pure magic hashtag years. And you know what? I like let's go magic better. So, um, we'll we'll see. It, it, it's an upgrade. Just don't expect me to say magic above all and, and a whole bunch. It's just so not natural. No. It's enough. It's 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 tough to force yeah. that. So. Okay, so before we send it home, I, I do ha- we do have one more Twitter question. Uh, this is from Jontimus Prime. Uh, so, well, you know, he wants to know what the overall outlook on the offseason is. It's kind of tough to, I don't know if you want to put a grade on it. I'm not a big grade person. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say that I'm, I think the Magic did a great job keeping Ross and Vooch. Those, those two, I thought, because there's no way the Magic were going to be able to upgrade from a free agent perspective on them, just because even if you let both Vooch and Ross go, there's not much free agency money wiggle room there. So right. the only way you would have been able to bring other talents, etc., would have been via trade. So I think in that regard, I just think I, I'm, I'm really excited with what they did this offseason. And look, the whole point of this is eventually that you're going to hand, you know, Vooch and Ross are going to age out eventually towards the end of the their or at the end of their contracts right. and then you got to see you know what you got with your younger guys and so with that regard i'm really encouraged by the internal development i'm seeing from the young guys and look you can see all the off-season videos etc in the world but until you see them on the court together etc we won't know but i'm i'm very optimistic i'm very i'm very i'm going to be cautiously optimistic but i'm very optimistic and I you know I believe in Wiltham. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, of all the uh, available avenues to the team, I think that the off season was the best case scenario, and it played out exactly as they wanted it to. Which I think is also important too that they had a plan, they stuck to it, and they executed the plan. You're looking for, I think you're looking for Mo Bamba to take a year one to year two leap that Jonathan Isaac took. Yeah, you're looking for continued evolution in Aaron Gordon's game, and you're looking for regression to the mean for Evan Fournier, Mm -hmm. and all those things are things that are also attainable. I don't think it's asking too much, so I think we're in good shape for a fun year coming up. So that's going to do it. We kind of got through the offseason. Actually, I'm surprised we got through it as quick as I thought we did. I thought we were going to push like at two hours. but We said it all. We did it all. But uh, so for the next episode, we'll probably record one towards the end of August, probably. It'll be right when I start my fall MBA semester at uh, UCF. So final year, almost got that damn master's degree. I'm, I'm getting there. there so, you go. But, uh, you know, I want to talk about the NBA schedule that's going to come out. It's literally coming out Monday. Apparently, Mo Bamba, Aaron Gordon are going to be out at Disney because there's the new NBA, exper- NBA experience at Disney. Maybe uh, we'll check that Disney. out, too, report back. Yeah, hopefully it's better than CityWalk was. <laughs> um, you know, that really went to hell quick. Yeah, but, it did. Um, you know, I do want to talk about comparing the Magic to other teams. You know, what's the ceiling for this Magic team in the East? Is it, you know, Aaron Gordon says fourth uh, in the East might be the ceiling josh robbins of the athletics says it's sixth maybe it's somewhere in between there we're going to find out um but we'll talk about the schedule i'm assuming the magic's new uniforms will be revealed by then so we'll be able to critique those a little bit uh one of my favorite times of the year non-nba times of the year the uh, fiba world cup right, is going to be coming up. coming up at the end of august um so the magic have fournier uh for france aminu for nigeria Vucevic for Montenegro, Kem Burt for Canada, and Isaac with the U.S. Select Team. 
I mean, the way these USA guys are dropping out, he might actually be on the main team. We'll see. Greg Popovich could come up with anything. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. So we appreciate you listening to another episode. Again, sorry for uh, having you wait for over three months, but we appreciate it. Please subscribe to and rate our podcast five stars. Tweet at us any of your questions and feedback, just like uh, some of the previous folks did today. Thanks for that. Yeah, we appreciate that a lot. And uh, Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic, take care, and uh, enjoy the offseason. I feel like I'm seven billion souls.